The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at Adulting.TV. Welcome to Adulting.TV Live. I am Harlan Landis. I'm here with Miranda Marquit, as usual. Our guest today is Connie Albers. How are you doing, Connie? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Our discussion today is about moving back home with your parents. Have you moved back in with your parents at some point? (laughs) No, I never did, but I have a lot of children who have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us about your children. All right. Well, let's see. I have five adult children, all college graduates. And what ended up happening at our house is the kids stayed home to go to college. And then some of them moved out and returned. So we currently have three adult children living at home, all college grads, and my father-in-law. So we truly have multi-generational living going on. It seems like a really crowded house. Yeah, it's pretty good. We're all right. (laughs) So what inspired uh, the children to move back home or to live at home while in college? You know, that's a great question. And and I think that's why this topic caught my attention when you and I were talking about it. As a mom of five adult kids, and I've watched them go through college, I've also watched what happened with our economy. Cost of living has increases, but wage earnings haven't. So all of my kids, all five of them, once they graduated, they had a hard time transitioning into the marketplace, not getting a job. It wasn't that they couldn't find one. It was finding a job that was that paid a sustainable income because housing prices have gone up, insurance costs have gone up, food prices have gone up, and wages haven't. And that is kind of what led to this. Having my father-in-law here was just another turn of unusual events, and it was less expensive for him to come here than it was for us to, you know, put him in like assisted living or something like that. And so that's sort of what led to this is more and more these kids are wanting to be wise with their money. And it's not, they've gotten a bad rap as far as, hey, you know, you're just a failure to launch. That isn't the case. Not always. So what does it mean to be a failure to launch? And why is that such a bad thing? Well, you hear about this on the news, Harlan. You hear, oh, these kids are living in their parents' basement. You know, they're just living off of mom and dad. Failure to launch is when your children, you know, your adult kids are making, you know, a very sustainable living. Maybe they're, you know, they don't want to move out of their parents' house. They don't want to spend their money or maybe they just uh, don't want to work. So a failure to launch is a child who has grown up and should be making that transitional step into true adulthood, you know, taking care of themselves, paying their own bills and making their own mark in the world and in the marketplace. And that's what failure to launch is. But what I'm seeing nationwide is kids that can earn a sustainable living, but, you know, they've got their degree, all of that, but they're saying, I want to be wise with my money. If I'm going to pay rent somewhere, why not it, let it go into the family coffers and help, you know, the parents pay their bills and it's costing me less anyway. But the biggest thing is they like doing life with their families. That is happening more and more in America and in Canada. So do your kids pay rent? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's what I got to ask. I got to know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and people do ask me that. So the deal is they, we are debt-free. I mean, it was like, this is how we're going to live our life. This is what we're going to teach our kids. And it was before this whole debt-free craze was there. It was important to us. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in life. And you certainly weren't secure, you know, what's going to happen with the economy. So our thing with our kids was we created a spreadsheet when, when they were about to enter college and say, hey, these are your options. And the biggest thing is numbers don't lie, right? Um, numbers don't lie. So when you put it on a spreadsheet and you say, okay, these are the costs, these are the real costs. So if you do X, then this, this will be what happens. And for us, when they, grad, when they were in college, it was all about you work, you pay for your way, you know, pay for your bills, tolls, whatever, um, things like that. We'll help with these costs. You pay these costs so that you can graduate debt free. That's that's like the biggest deal. And then after they graduated, literally all five of them just said, hey, you know, a couple of them moved out and moved back. But all of them said, hey, do you mind if I stay home and I sock away some money? Uh, like, for example, my firstborn, can I pay you rent? And live at home. Now, obviously, it's a lot less, but pay you rent, pays his own insurance, his own phone bill, uh, contributes to the power, you know, whatever incidentals, pays his own food. And I can save money so that I can step into the next season of life, which is purchasing a home, which is what he did. So he stayed at home, socked away a bunch of money, bought a house and then moved out. Number another one of my kids did the same thing, stayed at home, socked away the money, got ready to get married, didn't want to, you know, wanted to be able to step out on that on a good note. Again, that was all fine. So he paid rent and all of them do. So the three that are currently home, they pay their own rent. They pay portions of, you know, making sure the place is taken care of and the lawn and all that stuff, because that still has to happen. They buy their own food. They help with, a, you know, whatever power bill and electric and all, I mean, water and, and all of that. And they truly just become adults. We are all just living together. It's no longer that same position of, oh, these are, this is mom and dad and I have to do everything they say. It's, yes, this is mom and dad, but yes, I'm an adult. And how do we work this out together? And that's why I wanted to, you know, encourage your audience. If they have kids in that season of life, you do have to do some things. You, know, you, have, to, you have to come up with the ground rules of what's going to work for your family. But you can certainly come up with that and have an amazing time in the process. Yeah, I think that's a really a good point and a very interesting way to look at it because I think, you know, a lot of the time, I like that you're saying, okay, well, they're so responsible for stuff. And this whole living at home thing is part of a bigger plan. They're not just hanging out and trying to figure out, oh, hey, can I make this money? And, or can I get a part time job and sit on the couch all the time because I've got free rent with mom and dad? Right. You know, they're actually, they're actually, they've got a plan, right? And they're moving forward with whatever that plan may be. So I really like how you're kind of looking at that and, and looking at it as a way to empower them and to help them move forward with their plans rather than kind of enabling them to kind of stick in this sort of post-adolescence limbo for a while. Yeah, let's just, you know, mooch off of mom and dad as long as possible. No, I mean, you can't, parents do have that. And, but I almost blame the parent for allowing that. Because you do have a say, you know, you, you do have a say if what you what you allow them to do and not allow them to do. And I know we'll probably talk about this because we've got a great long time and your listeners may want to know. But, you know, the other thing, just besides the money part of it is the relationships, you know, in Europe and other countries, it is just not a big deal to have adult children living with their parents. It's not viewed negatively in America. Somewhere along the line, we started saying, hey, 18 and you're out. Well, let's rethink that. 
I know now I serve on a parenting council for one of the largest universities in the country. And one of the things we know is parents are more engaged and more connected to their college kids now than any other time in history. And it's just flat out amazing. And it's something we need to, to visit and consider and not typecast these these 20-somethings, these millennials that they are struggling. I will say there is a crisis with the quarter century crisis is what I call it. They're, that is real. You know, they kind of come out of college thinking, I'm going to make what my parents are making. That is a real thing. But if they're with you and you're doing life together and you're building these relationships, they're also listening to you and you're able to help them like get to reality. No, you're not going to start off as the president. You're going to start off like on the lower ring and you're going to have to work your way up. You said something interesting a little while back um, as, as parents uh, at the head of this household, you know, these are adult children who are living at home uh, and you still allow them to do certain things. And I guess, you know, prevent them from doing other things as you are, you know, in charge of the house, it is your house. But it seems to me that still is failure to launch because it is different than these adult children going off and having either roommates or having their own place, renting, buying either way, but kind of being in charge of their own lives. I mean, how, how much of their lives do you still have to kind of set some ground rules about while, while they are living under your house? And doesn't that prevent them developmentally from getting the experience being on their own that they might need? Uh, I would have to say it depends on what you're defining as experience, to be honest with you. Our children, the only thing that we we do now, I'll, I'll say as the kids grow up, you know, they're in middle school and you have certain rules and then you hit high school. And it's not about the rules when they're in high school because you're really transitioning them into adulthood. They're just young adults that are going to be navigating their way into adulthood and the marketplace. So, yes, what you're saying is true if the parents view it as this is my house, these are my rules. And parents can do that clearly. But when I talk about kids that are home and we're talking about a healthy relationship where these kids are moving on to the next season of life, they're just paying you rent instead of someone else rent. What we do to to kind of like balance that out is just like with a roommate. You have rules. Somebody's got to do, somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to make sure dishes aren't piled up in the sink. There's not, you know, somebody in the kitchen providing food and cleaning up after them and changing their bed sheets and cleaning their bathroom. No, that's their responsibility, just like with an adult, you know, just like with a roommate. The one thing that we do with our kids that are home is we basically say, listen, you got to be in by this time because why? courtesy, not because there are rules, because you're clearly able to stay out, but because some people have to get up in the morning and they have to be at work at seven in the morning. And some people come in late. So if you come in late, then you've got to be extra quiet. You can't bring your friends home and start cooking up a whole bunch of stuff uh, because people are trying to sleep. And those people that have eight to five, they need to get up. That's an important one. And that's one that takes a little bit of adjusting. The other one that takes a little bit of adjusting is in your kid's mind for them to be able to realize, and that takes a lot of communication, you telling your your adult children, listen, I am your mom, but I'm not telling you what to do. This is your life. These are your decisions. If you want to ask me, you know, what insurance company you should go with, you know, what kind of car you should buy, things like that, normal, hey, we're here for that. But we're not telling you how much money you have to spend. That's your money. That's your budget. This is your life. These are decisions you need to make. Does that make sense? 
It makes sense. I just th- I, I think it would be very difficult to overrule the existing relationship dynamic that you have, even if, like you're saying, it ta- you know you've you've gone through the phases of more and more independence as they age through middle school, high school, college, so forth. You're still and will always be their parents, and yes. you will always have that relationship, even if you treat them like roommates. It just never changes. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd feel the same way, you know, if I were to go back and, and live with my mother. I mean, yes, we would be roommates on an equal level at one point, but still she's, you know, still my mother. So I would still need to, you know, respect her in the way that I would respect, you know, a parent and not necessarily a roommate and, and everything else that goes into that. So actually, I was going to ask you, Harlan, because you did actually move in and live with your dad and his girlfriend for a while. So how did that relationship work? I mean, the most I've done since um, I graduated from high school was I, I lived with I came back and lived with my parents for one summer before my senior year of college. Um, and then, you know, three weeks or two weeks here and there, like between moves to different places. And so I haven't actually like lived, lived with my parents as an adult, really. So I'm interested to hear what your experience might have been, Harlan, when you were living with your dad, uh, as far as this is concerned. Well, aside from living with my father kind of right after college, I did go back when I was 25 and I lived with my father and his new girlfriend at the time for about four months. It was a short duration and it was at a time when I was trying to get my life in order uh, after working for a nonprofit and, and having some financial issues. And it was interesting because, you know, I... I was working real hard at the time at finding a new job, number one, budgeting and working on my finances and working on different projects that were hopefully bringing me some money on the side. So I was kind of a non-entity. You know, I just kind of stayed to myself and I it was somewhere where I didn't have any friends in the area, so I wasn't going out or anything like that. And we, we hardly saw each other. So it was, you know, it was kind of an interesting situation. So you think it kept you back from kind of regrouping and getting things back together or was it helpful? It was absolutely helpful. I think it was what I needed at the time, but I also knew that I wanted to limit myself to a very short amount of time because this was this was a new living situation for my father as well, and so I didn't want to make that uncomfortable for him. So my goal was to just get out of there and find a place that I could afford and a new job, and I was able to do that in about it took about four months for me to get, you know, settled in that respect. And of course, I had a lot more work to do on myself, but at least I was affording my own rent and getting out of my father's hair. Yeah, right. I mean, that's true. I mean, that's that's really true. I, I don't think it's for every person, every parent. I don't think it's for every kid. I had one of mine who moved out and had five roommates. All her roommates got married and she's kind of looking around going, crap, they're all married and I'm not. <laughs> she called and she said, hey, I want to start a new business. Are you good with me coming home and paying you guys rent? I'm paying the same. I'll pay you the same rent I'm paying over here. And so, you know, we created because she's a a photographer and an artist. So we cleared out an area in our we have a a workshop area to create her a studio for her art and her painting and stuff. And she does a lot of shoots, destination events and stuff. So for her moving back home, one, she wanted to be with us. She knew her time would be short because, you know, when she gets married, she's probably not going to be back. I mean, (laughs) I mean, we do have a limit, but you know, if they were down on their luck, but they're not down on their luck. And I think that's the, that's the thing I want parent people, adults, parents to know and kids 
it doesn't mean you have to be down on looks. Sometimes, and there's a lot of studies from the Pew Research and the Census Bureau, there's a lot of research that's showing sometimes these kids, they're just realizing, I don't know, y'all probably know, there's so many kids laden with debt. I mean, I think the average debt coming out of college is like $35,000. Well, if you graduate college and you're making $40,000, then you got a problem. I think this is kind of an interesting way to look at things because as Connie pointed out earlier, I mean, other cultures do this regularly. Um, this is something that is common in European cultures and in Asian cultures. Like this is something multi-generational household. I mean, it's something that's very common. So it is very interesting to me that, you know, we immediately pull back and say, oh my gosh, how are, how are they not developing properly when all around the world, there are plenty of young adults who manage to develop you know, in other cultures doing this. So it is kind of interesting to, to see the different ways that we consider, well, what's, what's a proper development? Yeah. I mean, obviously if there's a parent and they are controlling, that's not going to work because they're not kids, they're adults and you don't want to stymie them. Um, they do, they're going to fall on their face. I'm sorry. They'll just, they'll, they'll make stupid decisions make unwise financial decisions. Maybe they'll get a couple speeding tickets they shouldn't have got, but that's going to happen whether they're with you or not. The one thing that will hurt and harm your relationship the most is if the parent doesn't shift over to that role of not always telling you so, or not always having the right answer, or not always trying to fix their problems. You can't fix their problems, um, but they will, if you have a healthy relationship, they will ask you what you think. And my word, who cares about your kids and their success more than their parents in most cases? I was reading some statistics here and they were talking about there was a recent one and it was from the U.S. Census released in September 15th. And basically it was just talking about 34% of the age group are living with their parents in, in New Jersey and in Connecticut and New York, it's about 40%. And they were just talking about it's because the housing market is so expensive. These kids can't you know, afford it. So that isn't, to me, that isn't a failure to launch and to communicate that it is I think is really adding undue pressure and really making these kids feel worse than they already feel. I mean, to be honest with you, most kids want to get out. They're ready to, to start living their life, but we're seeing this. We're seeing it across the country. You know, they're going for their master's degrees. They're going for their doctorates. They're going for their medical degrees or their law degrees. And they're incurring, you know, $250,000, $300,000 worth of student loans. So the last thing they want to do, there was one student he had $300,000 worth of loans. And he just asked his parents, Hey, I will live in your basement because I want to get, I want to get out of this burdensome debt. I want to get my medical practice set up. And he did got it all got book of clients, his, his patient list built up where he was getting an income that was equal to what he could afford and still be able to pay off his loan. So to me, that's smart. And I think we need to communicate that if your kids are willing to kind of work together and you're willing to work together, then you can make it work. And it can be a lot of fun in the process. How about for adult children who don't have the opportunity to go back and live with their parents and they really need it? Do you think that this is a feature that's available to say upper middle class and then everyone else kind of struggles with it? Uh, no, I don't think it's upper middle class. I just think it's the dynamics of the family relationship if there's a close-knit family 
then you can usually make it work out, even if that kid has to come back and share a room with, you know, one of their younger siblings. As long as the mindset is, hey, I'm not here forever. I'm here. This is a pit stop along the road. Like for you, it was a short period. You needed to regroup. You can make it work and you don't have to be upper middle class to do that. And you also don't have to, you know, be in college to do that. Sometimes kids like I have three entrepreneurs and it takes time and it takes money to get your business started off right, get your name, get your brand out there and book, a, you know, build up your book of business to start making money. So if they can do that and then step out on the right foot, man, you're setting them up for, you know, for success in life where maybe they are not going to end up coming back when they're 40 years old and they've, you know, gone bankrupt or something. What are some things to, well, and I think it's interesting you talk about upper middle class because actually I find, especially urban areas where you have a lower socioeconomic situation, you actually find a lot of this multi-generational because, because the young adults are actually contributing significantly to these low income households. So it's kind of interesting that there's that, it's really kind of the middle class really that's kind of like pushing the kids out, right? Because when you talk about the upper middle class, um, you've got, you know, the kids are able to come back, whatever, during college or after college, the boomerang kids. But the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, there's actually a large amount of adult children who may not actually get to go to college either, but they are still living with their parents because they are a significant part of that overall household income. And they're not just paying rent. They're actually contributing a significant amount to the overall household to help take care of their younger siblings, to help make sure that there is food on the table. And so that's actually something you see a lot in lower economic situations, particularly in an urban environment. So it's it's not just something for the upper end of the socioeconomic scale. It's definitely something that we see at the lower end as well. But I did want to ask, like, so what are some of the ways that you can, as parents and as adult children, to kind of smooth this living arrangement? Because Harlan makes a very good point that there's still that parent dynamic. Like when he, if he went to live with his mom, he'd definitely feel that. And I think if I was like living with my mom, I would definitely be like, mom. (laughs) So how do you, what are some of the things that you can do to have that healthy relationship when you're living under the same roof? Because I feel like I have a good relationship with my parents now, but I'm not living under the same roof with them. Exactly. So how, <laughs> yeah. do you, how do you do this without having that like reversion? Yeah, that's, hey, that's an excellent point, by the way. That's where the parents need to be grownups. You know, that not, they don't need to be parents. They need to be grownups. They need to be thinking about what is in the best interest of our relationship and communicate. I I mean, I will tell you, it is funny. We do laugh at this because I'm an extrovert. And I don't know if if you and your listeners are do the Briggs, Myers-Briggs and all that stuff. Well, I'm a very relational person. Communication is my background. So I want to know everything about my kids, what makes them tick, what makes them ticked. And I'm extrovert. I can walk in the morning and say good morning and be ready for a full-blown conversation. I live in a house of introverts, so that doesn't work real well. And I have to constantly remember, like as I am coming into that kitchen and I hear somebody grinding the coffee and I have to remember not to walk in all bubbly and sunshine. I just need to walk in and say, good morning. And that's it. No conversation because that stresses them out. So it's consideration. It's consideration for a human being, any human being. If you had a guest at your house, just just being considerate and being thoughtful. I have had one of my kids say to me and and understand, I need your listeners to understand we have great relationships. 
to the point where we're allowed to say hard things to each other, truth, spoken in love. And this one time, again, I was just really excited. I had some great news come up and I am a processor, external processor. And I was sharing with this child uh, who is, you know, she's older. And she looked at me and she goes, you know, I can only handle you in small doses. Now, it sounds funny and it is funny, except for it can really hurt your feelings. And you can, as a mom, kind of get mad and it's like, who are you, young lady? Well, she's expressing something that actually is going to help us get along better. Now, I can be a jerk and not listen to it, or I can be wise and say, note, be more, scale it down a little bit, you know, take it down a few notches. Why? Because I desire the relationship more than I desire my way. So those are just the biggest things. Communicate often. Allow them to speak to you and about things that are bugging them like the way you do things. I want my kitchen sink empty of dishes. Well, when you have six adults, that's like never going to (laughs) happen. So I can get mad (laughs) or I cannot. And I can just, you know, I've done the whole, well, I'm just going to take a picture of that sink and I'm going to text it to all of you people who are just right down the hallway, but I'm going to text it to you. So you see what I'm seeing. Well, they see what I see. It doesn't bug them. So there really is a lot of flex. They have to kind of clean up a little bit more than maybe they would. And I have to let things go maybe a little more than I would. But the goal is for us to get along. And at the end of the day, enjoy hanging out together. And when you have that perspective, it's a game changer. What sort of, I mean, we kind of looked at it from like the parent's point of view. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So what if I was going to move into my mom's house, like what kinds of things would I probably need to keep in mind also in order to kind of help me um, still be respectful of the space, but at the same time, not revert into those kinds of childlike behaviors. Okay. So establish what's really going to be important, you know, for everybody, you know, what are the basics? Like, even if you have a bunch of roommates, everybody knows what are the breaking points, you know, who's going to be doing what jobs and when, and then don't ride them. And as a kid, as, as an adult child living in their parents' home, to me it is, and to them, actually, it's no different if they're renting, if they rent in a place and they break something, They have to fix it. If something breaks, the landlord fixes it. But they are to take care of other people's property, period. I don't care mom and dad's house or anybody's house. It's somebody else's property that you're not paying for. And rent doesn't entitle you to destroying anything. So one, communicate. talk, Find out with your parents before you move back in or before you move out or if making that decision. Find out. Listen, what, what are the expectations? Manage the expectations, lay them out. Don't be afraid to tell your parents, are you okay if I don't make my bed every day? You know, maybe that's your parents' big deal when you were growing up and you don't care about making your bed. Do you mind if I don't make my bed? I mean, you would be amazed at some things that just really drive people crazy. I could care less as long as you just close your door. What I do care about is if you spill Coke on the carpet and you don't clean it up, there's a problem because that's just a lack of respect. So manage expectations by laying the ground rules out. Who's going to do what, when, and then what are you going to do if what's been established isn't being followed? Does that make sense? So if you say, I will clean up the, I will have Thursday, and we do this, like Thursday is laundry days for certain people, Friday is laundry days for certain people, 
and then everybody has to do X, Y, Z before Saturday. I don't care when they do it. It just has to be, their part has to be done. And if they don't do it, then they have to pay additional money to have that done because somebody has to do it. And then there's no fighting over it. But it does take laying down the rules, laying down what's expected, just like you would in an apartment or a condo or a house. And parents got to lighten up and kids need to communicate. If they don't do it, go say, hey, I'm sorry, I screwed up. And if the parents are, you know, barking down their kid's throat, hey, you didn't do this and this and this and this, back off, let light up a little bit and change your ways a little bit. It's not going to hurt anything to make adjustments. Yeah, that brings up another question. Laying the ground rules, which, you know, I, I see how you do as parents, landlords, and roommates. Um, you have to somehow fit all three of those relationship dynamics in there. But uh, what are the consequences when people don't abide by the rules that are set? Love it. If you asked any of my adult kids, the consequences are the door locks from the inside to keep others out, not to keep you in. So you are free to leave. And if you are going to live in the house with other people, then you're going to show common courtesy to the things we've all agreed on. And if you don't want to, that's fine. We don't need your rent money. We're not doing this for our need. We're not codependents. We're doing this to help you out. And if it's not a help, then by all means, um, load up whatever you can in your little car and enjoy finding another place to live. But true, <laughs> Harlan, freedom is such a misnomer. We think, you know, our kids sometimes, these millennials think, oh, I just want freedom. Freedom from what? There is, that's, the, that's like this myth. Freedom. Okay, you can get in your car and drive. However, if the speed limit is 35 and you're going 50, you are free to drive 50 miles an hour. You're going to pay a price for that through a ticket. So in life, there are rules. And if your kids don't understand that as a millennial in your home, they'll learn it when they're not in your home. So hopefully by the time they're in their 20s, they already got it. You know, they, they already know that's important. And let me just add one more thing, because this is where people think you guys are crazy. So my husband and I have worked from our home for over 20 years. Back when it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur and work out of your home, we did. So we live together. We work together. And again, three of my kids are entrepreneurs, which means work together. Everybody is in this place, in some space to do their work. Uh, we eat together. We play together. And it works. It works. And that's the hope I want to share with parents. These 20-somethings have more pressure than they've ever had in any generation. They're constantly feeling the peer pressure. They're constantly feeling the push from comparison with what they see on social media, the expectations to be an instant success by the time they're 25 years old. And there is a great book, Quarter Life Crisis, that's out there. It's legit. And I think if we can help walk these, you know, 20 somethings through that process so that they can get their feet on the ground and their head squarely in check with what reality is, we're setting them up for success. And I think that's the biggest, um, most important thing we can do for the next generation that, I mean, these kids are going to be ruling the world one. I mean, they're gonna be ruling the America and the world really. And I think that's an important point to note. So Connie, where can our audience find you online? Well, they can find me online at ConnieAlberts.com. I speak all over the country. I'm working on a college course currently on how to get kids, how to get kids through college without, you know, any student loans, student debts, prepaid, college prepaid or anything like that. Because 
I'm, I think it's, it's, we got to help these kids achieve the goals, realistic goals, but you can find me at ConnieAlbers.com on Twitter. It's Connie L Albers and I'm on all the social platforms and I'm currently working on a book on parenting teenagers. So, you know, it starts then and keeping them and helping them acclimate to the next season of life. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being on our show. This is great. Thanks for having me y'all. Sure. So this is adulting.tv live and we're live right now on YouTube. So definitely check out our YouTube channel so you don't miss the next time we are live and go to our website at adulting.tv. And if you have any questions for us, you can go to adulting.tv slash ask. And also you can subscribe to our podcast. Uh, If you're on Apple podcasts, go to adulting.tv slash iTunes. And also if you go to the website, you'll see subscription links to various other services like Stitcher. So uh, until next time, remember to act like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.